Welcome to UO Today. I'm Paul Peppis, Director of the Oregon Humanities Center. My guest today is Vidusha Devastali, Senior Director of Foundation Relations at the University of Oregon. She earned a master's degree in public administration from the University of Oregon, a master's degree in biochemistry from the University of Texas, and a bachelor's degree in biochemistry from New Mexico State University. Prior to her current position, Devastali served as Assistant Director and then Interim Director of Research Development Services in the Office of the Vice President of Research and Innovation at the University of Oregon. Thanks, Fiducia, for coming on the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. So first, tell us a little bit about your background. Where are you from? What do we need to know about yeah, you? Yeah, so um, I was born in India, in Bangalore. My family immigrated to the States when I was about two. And uh, we lived in Chicago for five years, and then we moved to New Mexico, which is where I spent most of my childhood. Um, I attended New Mexico State University, as you mentioned. I got my bachelor's degree there. Uh, my family's still there. Um, and then I went to the University of Texas in Austin to study biochemistry. From there, I moved to California, and I worked at Stanford University for a few years as a research technician. And then I uh, joined the biotech industry, and I worked there for a few years before moving to UO. Um, and I think that, you know, at that point I had decided to sort of pursue other career opportunities, which is why I decided to get a public administration degree um, here, um, while I was also working as a lab manager in the Institute of Molecular Biology. So I was working and going to school at the same time. and. Um, the public administration, I was very interested in sort of the public funding of science at that point, which is what drew me into that degree program. Hmm. So let's talk, let's go back and talk yeah. a little bit about your background in biochemistry sure. and as a technician. Mm -hmm. So what, what kind of work did you do in biochemistry? Yeah, so um, as a graduate student, I was really working on bioorganic chemistry. I was studying enzymology and trying to understand uh, a very specific enzyme in a, in a in a biosynthetic pathway that a bacteria uses. Um, and the reason for that is that humans don't have that enzyme, so it was a good target for antibiotics. Um, so I was studying that, um, that enzyme as a grad student. And then when I went to California, I actually completely changed um, research areas. And I was working in a developmental biology lab. Um, so there we were studying how the brain develops um, using rats as a model organism and mice. Um, and then uh, f when I worked in biotech, I actually was studying cancer therapeutics. So <laughs> it's kind of a range of things. And then when you were working as a lab technician mm -hmm. in the, back in the academy, mm -hmm. what did you do then? You worked so, at the Institute for Molecular Biology? Yes, uh, in IMB, I was working in a developmental biology lab. Um, and there, at that time, we were studying a heart development using mice as models um, to understand how the heart develops um, in utero, essentially, yeah. So then you got interested in public administration. So what is it about public administration <laughs> that interests you? Um, so uh, like I said, I was really drawn to this question of sort of public goods and public funding for science. You know, I think research and knowledge is sort of a public good. Um, and so that's what kind of drew me into that area because I was very interested in how why some areas of science get funded, why others don't, how these federal agencies make the decisions, and kind of the history of federal funding in the U.S. is pretty unique, actually, very interesting. We invest more than almost any country, and especially, you know, in the last 50 years, we have invested more than almost any country. Now we have countries catching up to us. 
Um, but it, it was a very conscious decision by our national leaders to make that investment. It was seen as important to our um, economic growth and development. Um, it was a bipartisan issue. It was, uh, you know, all of our federal agencies got support no matter who was the president, no matter who was in Congress. It was just seen as a unilateral good. Um, things have shifted somewhat in the last 20 years, um, so that's also pretty interesting. Um, but that's what drew me into that space. Can you just say a little bit more about your view of that shift from where you're sitting? Yeah, I mean, I think that what has happened is that people have sort of lost touch with science in their everyday lives. People don't understand the role that science has in their everyday lives, and they don't understand that science happens at universities. Um, it's not, and when they, when they hear about, you know, big grants that uh, are coming to universities. That's not, you know, one professor is getting that money and putting it in their pocket. That's paying for graduate students, that's paying for postdocs, that's paying for, you know, reagents and equipment and all kinds of things. Um, and so I think that there's just a disconnect in the public about what that impact is. I think by and large, actually, most Americans still strongly support scientific research. But I just think that it's become a bit of a political issue, which mm -hmm. it never has been before, or less so, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, after you got the degree in public administration, you uh, uh, you started working in research development services at the University mm -hmm. of Oregon, you were the assistant director, and then you were the interim director. What is research development services? What does research development services do? So research development services really helps faculty members identify and pursue funding opportunities to support their research. So it's basically bringing funds from the outside into the university to do research. Um, a lot of the work in uh, research development services focuses on our federal portfolio because that is the bulk of um, where the funds for research come from. Um, and so they do all kinds of things, like they help identify opportunities, they get to know the faculty, get to learn about the research on campus, um, so they can connect the right faculty members to the right um, opportunities, they help with writing proposals, they help with the many, many supplementary documents that are required for grant proposal submissions, so they really kind of shepherd people through that process. So why is external funding important for universities? Why is that, why do we need that and why is that a good thing? Yeah, so there's uh, very little internal support for research, um, and yet we are a research university, right? So we grant PhDs, we, uh, we publish lots of manuscripts, we do a lot of, of research. None of that is really supported by internal funds, or very little. What the university supports is infrastructure for research, right? So they support buildings and keeping the lights on and, and, and things like that. They, they purchase large pieces of instrumentation. Um, they pay faculty members their salaries. Um, and so everything else has to come from external sources. So supporting graduate students, postdocs, staff scientists, um, all of that really comes from external sources. So you're now the Senior Director of Foundation Relations at U of O. Mm -hmm. So what's, what's Foundation Relations? Yeah. How's it different from research development services? What's, what, and what do you do over there? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, so Foundation Relations, I do a lot of similar things to what I did in research development services, but now I focus entirely on philanthropic foundations. So I don't work with federal agencies at all, but very similar type of work in the sense that I'm still identifying opportunities at philanthropic foundations to partner with our faculty members to advance their research. 
Uh, it's different in that there are a lot more foundations than there are federal agencies. They control a smaller amount of the overall funding um, pie, I guess, um, in, the, in the country. Um, but each one is sort of idiosyncratic and has its own board and has its own strategic priorities. And so um, it's much more about getting to know individuals within foundations now and really understanding what that foundation is looking for. And um, it's much more relationship-based than the work I used to do in research development services. So why do foundations exist? Why do we have those things? What makes people, what makes people or philanthropists create them? Um, well, I mean, I think uh, it's really about legacy, mm -hmm. right? So people um, acquire mass quantities of wealth in their lifetimes, uh, far more than they can ever spend. And they also identify societal needs, problems, um, many times problems that their own wealth acquisition has contributed to. Uh, and they want to um, address those issues, and and they want a lasting impact. They don't want it to end when they die, um, and so they create foundations. Um, foundations are also, you know, a way to sort of have control over what problems get solved, right? Because you basically write the mission of the foundation, and you empower trustees to make decisions, but it gives the founder a, a sense of control over um, how their wealth is gonna be used to advance society. So how, how can foundations, how do foundations help the University of Oregon? So in a lot of ways, foundation funding is actually very important because federal agencies, while they control a large proportion of the funds, they tend to be very risk averse. They fund very incremental research. Um, they are really looking for a lot of preliminary data. They want a long track record of success. They want to know that what their funding is going to work. Um, and foundations are much more likely to fund high-risk, high-reward research. They're much more likely to fund pilot projects, seed things. You know, they're, they're a little more nimble and a little more innovative than federal agencies usually can be. And so tell us about some of the foundations that have supported research at the University of Oregon. Yeah, so I, mean, I know that you've had John on here to talk about the Just Futures Institute, and um, that was a great example of the kind of research that it would be very difficult to do at that scale without foundation support. Um, it was you know, one of the largest foundation grants we've gotten at the University of Oregon, and it was to support scholarship in the humanities, which is highly unusual. Um, most foundation awards of that size are going to science and technology. Um, so, you know, that award, they were really looking for, you know, what is the, the, the Mellon Foundation funded that award, and Mellon is very invested in what is the role of the humanities and in scholarship in the humanities in advancing human society. Um, and so I think that was a particularly interesting, challenging um, award, but also one that's had tremendous impact. I know that we, you know, John and his colleagues have been able to support a lot of graduate students. A lot of graduate students of color are very drawn to scholarship and research in, you know, justice, and um, this is environmental justice. So I think that we were able to recruit graduate students to the UO who may otherwise not have come here. So 
I think that was pretty cool. So you've just described the uh, Mellon Award that went to the Just Futures Institute, which is directed by John Arroyo, mm -hmm. and I have an interview with him. I have actually a couple of interviews with John. Are there any other notable foundation awards that the U of O has received? Sure. I mean, I think that one of our most uh, important and longstanding relationships at the university is actually with a regional foundation called the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust. Um, the Murdoch Trust um, focuses on a five-state region of the Pacific Northwest. Um, they want to lift up that region. Um, and for us, a research university, the way they do that is by funding um, scientific instrumentation. So there are not that many ways to um, get external funds for scientific instrumentation. Um, the federal government has a few opportunities, but for a university of our size, it can be difficult for us to be competitive in some of those programs. The Murdoch Trust has given the university over $11 million um, in support for instrumentation. So I think that's a really important relationship for the university, one that the Vice President for Research and Innovation, you know, values quite a lot. So what are some of the challenges you've, you've suggested, you've begun to suggest this, that faculty and universities face in accessing foundation funding, maybe specifically challenges that the U of O faces? You mentioned the size mm -hmm. challenge for us, so say something about that. Yeah, I mean, the challenge with getting funding is, you know, when we're, when we're applying for grants, we're applying, we're competing against every university in the country. Right, so um, you know, not in the case of the Murdoch Trust, that's like I said, a regional foundation. But in the case of Mellon, 160 applications were submitted for that program. They ultimately funded, I think, 16. So a very low chance of success. And so the challenge is always setting yourself apart. Um, what are we going to do that another institution isn't going to do or can't do? Um, that's always what we're trying to shine a light on. Um, I think too that you know um, we sometimes we if we want to get sort of bigger grants we need a sort of critical mass of faculty in a given area to do that and I think that the UO faculty kind of punches way above its weight class in terms of research and scholarship um, we're actually pretty small um, and so sometimes it can be challenging to put together the right team of people to be competitive for an opportunity just because of numbers. So how does how does foundation relations help you know faculty address those challenges? What do you guys do to help? Yeah, so what we try to do is really help our faculty members understand what is the thing that that foundation is looking for because I think, you know, in my experience all these years doing proposal writing, a lot of times people write the proposal they're going to write regardless of who's going to read it. Um, and so where we can be helpful is really fine tuning and narrowing the scope of the project to exactly address what a foundation says they're looking for. Um, I think it, if, you, if you hit all the points that the sponsor has laid out, you have a much better chance of getting funded. I think we're also pretty helpful writers and editors. <laughs> um, and I, I, I do help a lot of faculty members just with concision, clarity, you know, making sure that, you know, they're writing for their audience. Their audience may be, you know, world-renowned scholars, but they may not be scholars in that narrow area of research. So really helping to make sure that they're writing so that their audience can understand, that's a lot of, of what we're doing. And then kind of aligning internal resources as much as possible to support the effort. So, you know, letters of support from different leadership um, 
folks on campus, um, things like that. If there's any kind of um, matching support that we need to line up, helping faculty members navigate that, which can be kind of cumbersome. Um, so we help with some of that. So everything you've just described suggests to me that it requires you and your team to do a lot of research, a lot of research about the foundation. So mm -hmm. say a little bit about what the stuff that you do that faculty don't see. Yeah, so a lot of what we do, so we will do research on a foundation's board. Who are the board members? Who are the scientific advisory board members? You know, what are their areas of research? Um, what are the things that that foundation has funded in the last five years, let's say? Because, um, you know, you want to sort of make sure you're in the right general zone, but they're probably not going to fund two proposals that are exactly alike either, right? So really trying to understand the landscape within that foundation is important. And then, you know, we will reach out to foundations and, and talk to them and ask them questions. We go to conferences where foundation heads are presenting and we listen to what they say about sort of future directions and things like that. And we try to help people be ahead of the curve so they kind of know what's coming. Um, so I think those are probably like the biggest ways that we help. So you've mentioned that there are these national foundations and then there are these regional mm -hmm. foundations. So tell us a little bit about the regional foundations that are that are in the Pacific Northwest and in the state of Oregon. Sure. The ones that we work with most often. Yeah, so I mentioned the Murdoch Trust. Um, the, another significant one in the region is the Meyer Memorial Trust, um, which was founded by Fred Meyer, the you know store chain. Um, so the Meyer Memorial Trust, a, about seven years ago, they did a complete strategic re-envisioning and decided that they were going to focus completely on social justice, uh, which was very um, prescient of them because that was actually before the whole, you know, racial reckoning of 2020 and, and all of that. So they were already gearing all of their programming towards racial justice and social justice in the Pacific Northwest, specifically in Oregon. Mm -hmm. So really important foundation. Um, they are you know, connected to so many communities, community organizations around the state. Um, as a state university, I think it's a very important relationship for us to cultivate. Um, others are the Ford Family Foundation. The Ford Family Foundation is really focused on rural Oregon, right? So they want to support children, families, communities uh, that are sometimes far away from big urban centers, don't have access to resources. Oftentimes, we're um, very severely impacted by the shift away from the timber industry uh, in Oregon over the last decades. Um, so that's really like their area of focus. Obviously, we want to recruit those students to come to the University of Oregon. So, you know, I think our relationships with foundations like that really help us. So say a little bit more about your office. How many people work for you? And, and uh, <laughs> you, you do a lot of stuff. You just described all the stuff that you do. Well, how many people? You got 15 people in there? There are two of us. <laughs> there are two of us in Foundation Relations, uh, myself and my very talented colleague, Mackenzie Karp, who is a Senior Associate Director of Foundation Relations. So Mackenzie and I kind of divide the foundation world by disciplines. Um, we talked a little bit about my background, so I tend to focus on the natural sciences. Mackenzie's background is in architectural history, so she's very um, fluent and comfortable in the, the world of humanities and arts, and so she tends to focus there, although we cross over all the time. There are only two of us, so we're helping each other out all the time, um, and uh, that's kind of how we divide things up right now. So you mentioned the Mellon Grant for the Just Futures Institute, and you talked about the 
uh, scientific instrumentation that's funded by the Murdoch Foundation. What are some other uh, recent um, projects at U of O that have been funded by foundations? Um, yeah, so let's see. We can come back to that yeah, if you want sorry. a little time. So <laughs> tell us a little bit about your sense of the impact that foundation funding has on the career of f f faculty members. Why is this a good thing for faculty members, regardless of the question of their research? How sure. does it help their careers? I think it can be very important for their careers because I think that a lot of these foundations have national, even international recognition. I know everybody who listens to NPR, I'm guessing a lot of your viewers, um, you know, they hear those things, the Doris Duke Terrible uh, Trust, the, you know, uh, Ford Foundation, all of these foundations, people recognize those names. And so when a faculty member is able to secure a grant from one of those foundations, I think it really helps um, amplify their voice. They are, um, I think people see that as, almost like a, a mark of distinction for a faculty member's research. If it's been funded by some of these um, large foundations, then people take a second look and really pay attention to what that person says. Um, not necessarily that it should be that way. Um, lots of great research and scholarship doesn't require that kind of funding, but it does help when you can get it. So when you worked in research development services, as I mentioned, that is a unit of the, the VP for Research and Innovation. Yes. But Foundation Relations is a unit of University Advancement. Yes. So why is that the case? Yeah. And um, how is the work that you do related to what University Advancement typically does? Yeah, so the reason for that, and, and I should say that not all institutions do it that way, and uh -huh. there are institutions where Foundation Relations is part of the research office because it's so much grant-based and so much um, you know, related to research. Um, the reason that we have chosen to do it this way at UO is that um, we consider all of this private funding, right? And so the rest of my colleagues tend to focus on individual donors. The work I do is with philanthropic foundations, but ultimately that funding is not coming from the state or the federal government. And so that's why we tend to um, kind of cluster it with a university advancement. I think, though, that... Um, it's also philosophically the work is more closely aligned with advancement because it's very relationship based. It's very much about us getting to know people at foundations and building those relationships to um, then be able to help our faculty members secure those funds. Um, so I think we're, we're kind of in, in between. We work very closely with research development services and the research office and the vice president for research. So um, there's a lot of articulation between our groups. Um, but there's sort of both structural and philosophical reasons why we kind of chose this route. So you just said that you share with other uh, advancement, university advancement projects, the relationship building part of the puzzle. Mm -hmm. But there, um, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to me that it's a different kind of relationship. That is, it's a different kind of person that yes. you're building the relationship with. So if I'm an advancement uh, development officer, mm -hmm. I'm building a relationship with a specific person or family who sure. is philanthropic. But these foundations, and you mentioned the Meyer Foundation, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned in general foundations can endure beyond the life of yes. the, the, the fa founder of the foundation. So you're dealing with program officers, mm -hmm. right? I think that's what they call them. Yeah. So who are those people and mm -hmm. what do they do and what's different about the kind of relationship building that you do with them than the kind of relationship building that a development officer does with one of our alumni 
sure. uh, uh, or some of our alumni who are, you know, fil philanthropic. Sure. So uh, program officers tend to be people who may have even been faculty members in a previous life. So a lot of times program officers come from academia. Um, especially in the sciences. Uh, and so they tend to speak the language of uh, academic researcher very well. Um, but they're also often working with a board that may not be scientists. And so I think you know that is very different from when you're working with a federal agency where almost all of the decision making except for the you know ultimate um, budget allocation from Congress, almost all of the decision making is being made by scientists. Um, so I think that when I work with a program officer, I'm often, especially in the sciences, I'm often helping them uh, arm themselves to then go and advocate for our proposal to their board, um, which may not all be scientists. And so they need to kind of, they need to um, check a lot of different boxes. And so, um, so that's pretty different. Um, and then in the case of you know, the difference between what we do and what people who work with individual donors do, um, they are, there's a lot of overlap in the kind of person who joins a philanthropic foundation and a philanthropic family. And oftentimes I think philanthropic families create foundations and then you know, that sort of lives on beyond those family members. So it's kind of a similar type of person and motivation that, um, that you're dealing with in, in those roles. Um, so yeah, I would say it, it's, it's kind of right in between sort of real um, disciplinary expertise and focus and then relationship building. Do you ever get to talk directly to the boards of foundations or do you usually exclusively talk to the foundation, uh, the, the program officers? Yeah, it depends on the size of the foundation. So I have definitely spoken directly to trustees of family foundations um, where, you know, the, the family members are the trustees and they're the ones making the funding decisions. Um, and then you know, I've also, a lot of times when it's a bigger board or uh, a larger foundation, it might be that um, the vice president for research is going to go and address the board, in which case I'm prepping that person, I'm getting them the information that they need and kind of making sure that they have, they're able to um, present everything that they want to say to that board. Um, so it can be sort of a behind the scenes. So uh, we just have a couple of minutes mm -hmm. left. This will be my last question. So what are some of the goals you have going forward for the foundation relations at the U of O? Yeah, so um, you know, I, I told you that uh, the way we divide up the portfolio right now, it's sort of the natural sciences, the hum humanities and arts, um, but there's a pretty big gap in the behavioral sciences. Um, and as you know, just launched uh, or about to launch the Balmer Institute for Children's Behavioral Health. I see this as an area that we don't have the staffing to be proactive enough in that space. So I'm looking to hire a new person. I'm hoping if anybody sees this, um, that job posting is gonna come out soon. Um, I'm looking to hire a person with uh, some disciplinary background in the behavioral sciences um, to help lead our foundation relations efforts in that area. Are there any other goals? Um, you know, our goal is to continue to be a good partner to research, to build those bridges. Um, we work very closely with corporate relations as well, so I think that there are some opportunities to sort of mutually benefit each other's work um, in, in that area. 
Um, yeah, so I think that we're on a good trajectory, but I could see us really growing what we're able to do in terms of philanthropic support from foundations at the university. Well, that's a great place for us to end this interview. Thank you so much, Fiducia, for talking to us yeah. today and, to, and to helping us learn about what Foundation Relations is and what you do. It's been a really pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. I've been speaking with Fiducia Devastali, Senior Director of Foundation Relations at the University of Oregon. Thanks so much for watching.